Welcome back to the Apprentice One to One podcast. We have got Craig back with us this week. He was missing last week having his annual haircut. You can see he's come up <laughs> nice and fresh. How are you, Craig? Yeah, good, thanks. You? Yeah, yeah, I'm great. I'm great. Cheers for jumping on again. I appreciate it. I know you're really sure. busy with the, the world of being a new dad. It's not really the haircut, if anybody was actually wondering. And Jamie's <laughs> with us as well. How are you, Jamie, mate? All right, mate. It's, it's died off a bit of work, so I can actually relax a little bit now, which is nice. Good stuff. Good stuff. Right, that's always nice, isn't it, when you've got a bit of time, as long as you're still bringing the money home. Well, I, w- I was off today and then saw Phil Gore next week for me, so I've had a day. I think that's enough, don't you? Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> well, is he, really? And we've got a new guest with us on the podcast. Aidan's actually been on and spoke to me before in the past as well. But we've got Aidan from the world of Instagram, and I'll tag his handle in the description before, below if anybody wants to jump off and speak to him afterwards. But how are you, Aidan? Thanks. Good stuff, good stuff. Nice of you to, to join us. And I can see yeah. you're sharp there in your Hager gang top. Have you um, yeah. recently acquired <laughs> that through a, a CU board you've chucked up somewhere? Yeah. Um, to be honest, we, we only use Hager. Um, we're we're going to try a... bastard. Uh, we're going <laughs> <laughs> to try um, a Skullmore one um, whenever we, we need to fit one. But we've we've jumped around in the past from like Wilex to Hager to Skullmore to a couple others. But I think Hager for me is that it's the easiest one to fit. And it's, it's just, you know, everything's there. You just wash on the wall and then just put all your cables into it. So are you like one of those, Aiden? and now you're talking about Skullmore, do you feel like you've gone from shopping in Tesco to Aldi or something? Is that where you're like... <laughs> uh, I've heard good and bad things. I mean, I think the main reason why we're going to jump over is, or try them at least, is because the Skullmore range come with like, I believe it's an SPD already fitted, um, where the Hager ones you have to buy it and it's a bit more, you know, a bit more money. The big firms yeah. are losing it, aren't they? The big firms aren't doing very well. I've gone to Fusebox. Well, I don't recommend things, but I would I would use them. I would say try, and they're really good. And I think that I haven't fitted a skull more personally, but, you know, the people I know that have, they're finding it really hard to find differences between your likes of Fusebox and Skullmores compared to your Hagers and things these days. I think it's yeah. becoming such a competitive market that it's... Um, going to be interesting to see what happens with it because for me I struggle with Hager the fact of like you know they don't do double pole RCBOs and different bits and pieces I think for something yeah. that costs so much money mm. you really are wanting it to be top of the range aren't you and I see it yeah. like you want a Ferrari and you've got no car stereo in the in the car you know it's a bit like <laughs> doesn't do it for me but I don't fit those boards so I can moan about that personally Anyone yeah. following my channel have seen we're on a bit of a mission to try and install every brand. We've done a few of the Elysium boards and there's absolutely nothing wrong with those. They are just single pole, those ones as well. I did think they were double pole for a while, but they're actually not for anyone who's watching and wondering. And as Jamie said, the fuse box ones, you can't really knock them at the price point. Double pole. Uh, can you do every brand, Mark? What, I'm trying. Big, yeah, you're trying just because so you, so you can, because... Yeah, <laughs> you're going to be trying to get all these mad well, I've been selective in some of the ropey ones are going in family and friends houses so right. some of them right, are budget you. branded ones that I might be a bit concerned about and not really wanting to put on my customers I'm, I'm selecting the premises they're going in carefully he's trying to build his own cool wall from Top Gear with their impartiality you know what though <laughs> from doing it from, from doing it I haven't really found many that are that bad really they're all pretty decent in fairness you know there's no real shockers out there that I've come across so far plastic Oh, it's the shit died with plastic fuse boards. Hmm. 
because they were crap, weren't they? They looked like they were made out of old VHS cartridge plastic. Yes. And when they got rid of plastic, to be fair, the standard fuse board just was flat, which was good. Yeah, no, you're right. But we haven't we haven't really come on to talk about fuse boxes. We've what? got <laughs> we've got evening. we've got Aiden with us, who is on his journey. We want to speak about um, fuse boxes. You know, yeah, what what, <laughs> what, is, what is a qualified electrician? That's kind of the journey in this series. We had Ash last time speaking about his route through EAL um, and his journey on there. We've got Aiden, who's on his apprenticeship now. There's other people coming on afterwards. We want to get all of your experiences for how you're kind of finding it. So to, to start with that, Aidan, you're currently, are you still at yeah, level three, year three? Is that where you're at at the minute? Um, no, I've, I've done my level three. I'm doing my AM2. So is that awesome. class still level three? I don't know. Well, yeah, the, so whole, the, the whole apprenticeship as a whole is classed as a level three apprenticeship over the four years. So it's hmm. it's just dependent. If you're on to your AM2, I'm guessing you've gone into year four of your apprenticeship now or just yeah. you go into year four, yeah? Cool. So you've kind of done... Um, the majority of the learning in college and are now just sort of finishing off your portfolio and getting prepared for your AM2 assessment. Yeah, basically, yeah. Are you a proper proper apprentice? Are you through uh, Scheme JTL or something? Or? Uh, no, no. But do you, you go to work four days a week, don't you, and then go to college one day a week? You're employed no. by a company? Uh, yes, um, yeah. I don't I don't have day release though. Um I think the only time I went to college this year was to was for two weeks. That was to do the 18th edition. And then I won't go back there until I'm close to AM2. And they, they'll just give me like a refresher uh, with testing and possibly conduit and all that other stuff that you have to do. Um, and then they'll send me off to an independent company to do my AM2 test. But so, so not a traditional apprentice route. You're working for a firm or putting you through it properly by the sounds of it. Yeah. But you're not doing a traditional apprenticeship. No, no. Right, got you. Because there's so much variation in this now. But yeah. I don't know what I'm on about. <laughs> yeah. Well, it. I don't know who. I, I don't know if it was Nick Bundy. Um. But he. No, I don't think it was him. Somebody was talking about they've got they're bringing in a domestic spark course. I, I don't know who said it. It might have well, been me or Craig or Jamie. We've all been talking about it. It's been... Yeah, and it's um, it's interesting. Um, but how, how would they do it so you can progress to industrial? Because there's only so much you need to know for domestic, and there's like a lot that you need to know for industrial, like the three-phase motors and the big boards and all that sort of stuff, and, and all the containment and, and all that. How do, you, how do you step it up from domestic to that, you know? That's so I believe, be difficulty. Craig can fill us in on that one. <laughs> I believe they're planning to do a top-up year. So say you'd mm. gone, say you were working for a company and only done domestic, and therefore you done the domestic apprenticeship instead of what we'll class now as the full apprenticeship. And mm. if you were moving firms in the future, you would be able to do, and it hasn't been written yet, so everyone who's got kind of an opinion on it kind of needs to just wait because we don't know what the actual assessment <laughs> yeah. um, but the idea of the concept is you'd effectively like you're in year four now getting your industry experience working on site and then getting ready for your am2 mm. there'll be something similar that goes along with the domestic apprenticeship so they will have done an am2 in the domestic apprenticeship but there'll be some sort of assessment or portfolios or workbooks that will then be for the 
the parts you missed effectively from what we currently class as the apprenticeship yeah. compared to the domestic apprenticeship. So anybody who's going and doing gold carded as we class gold carded now would still have done four years across an apprenticeship or study and at some point in their time to gain the gold card. So all the conversations about it's shorter and it's this and it's that, if you're comparing it for industrial and commercial work, it wouldn't be. It just might be done in two parts. It's a totally I'm different qualification, isn't it? That's the I'm end still of the confused. And we've been banging on about this for weeks and I still ain't got a clue. <laughs> so yeah, I guess we need to wait. If you're for out there, be... don't worry. Don't worry if you're out there, young and wondering what's going on because no one does, really. That's the truth of the matter, Jamie. It's still all to be made clear to everyone and we're kind of second-guessing what's what's going to happen. Um, I can see a lot of benefits from it. I know from speaking with you before, Aidan, you had a bit of a, a swap over in employment, didn't you, I think, through the course of your training earlier on? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in terms of enabling more employers to offer an apprenticeship, if they're able to do that just in the domestic sector, I think that would open the door to quite a few more apprentice positions, which, you know, for me, would be a good move because it's hard getting people into work at the minute. What are you what are you actually doing at the moment? Are you um working in the domestic sector mainly or are you doing a bit of everything still? Yeah, it's it's a bit of everything. Um I think last week I got a call out to a farm. Uh it's a dairy farm, so it's local and we do all the stuff there. So it's just like they've gone through the cable on the on the pump, the uh, the the sewage pump. So yeah, it wasn't very nice, but I had to uh had to put a torpedo in that and fix it all up. But that was a three-phase motor. So if sometimes if you, you get the shit jobs, don't you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally. Like a whole farm. They're all shit, aren't they? Yeah. No one's been to a decent farm. Yeah. Do you know what? If you don't if you don't go and do those jobs, Aiden, you never learn. Like no. and I think that's the beauty of the electrical industry at the minute is it is so diverse and there's only so much you can cover in a qualification. Like I go out on site now and still find things I've not come across on a day-to-day basis. And I think the more we look at that as a positive, the more, rather than trying to think, we've done a course, that's it, move mm. on. But it's it's a good experience for you. And the more you can get your hands on, the better yeah. I think it is for you, to be honest. Said last week, yeah. didn't I? What's the difference? Level two and level three, who said it's domestic? No one. It's just skills, base skills, in it, that you then adapt to wherever you go. Yeah. So a bit of cable there, bit of cable there. The difference between a farm and an ass is a farm smells as shit. <laughs> That's it, basically. Some of the houses yeah, got a few other differences. <laughs> yes. Unless you're doing a, what is it? Some of the yeah, some of the rental housing market can do that as well, I suppose. But yeah, it's just the fundamental principles of working with cables, isn't it? No one ever said it was domestic, so you just got to twist around and if you get used mm. to it. You can make money out of it, can't you? Because if you're not scared to jump outside your box a little bit, then you're well away. Yeah, but a lot of it as well, the protection for animals is completely different to humans. So the RCDs need, I think they're more, so they're more than 30 milliamps for animals. And it's complete different protection over there in the farm. And it's, you're jumping between two, you know, two worlds, if you will. I'm intrigued now. Because I've never done, a, I've done, a, I've never done a cattle farm. I've never worked to the cattle farm, so I'm intrigued as to that. Well, I don't. Rex books in the van, so I couldn't. I don't have a look myself. I'm, I, I know animal. I know four-legged animals are more susceptible to to carcass, aren't they? Basically, I think it basically Something goes like down that. to 300 milliamp RCDs to make sure that there's protection against 
um, rather than 30 milliamp. So I think you've got to have a lot more selectivity between your boards. Yeah. Because a lot of farms are going to be TT installs generally, it's about front loading RCDs over the main tails to make sure the whole the whole um, installation is protected rather than just having kind of final circuits on it and making sure you've correctly managed that selectivity. And yeah. fire will be a big one when you're looking at RCDs as well because you don't want your shed going up with all your all your money in it effectively. Yeah. To farmers, that's what it is, isn't it? They are money to their business and yeah. whatever else. So it's kind of covering a mix the little bit I know about farms, which is not a lot, is covering the mix between having a TT installation on the outbuildings and the farm, but you may well have some sort of mains or network earthing into the actual household itself and having to think about your potential zones and differences and bonding where you've got such a broad spectrum because farmland might be an awful lot wetter than... Oh, yeah. And all those different considerations in that angle, I think. So someone will report, report me to the IT now because I claim to be a gold card carry spot, but I don't know anything about farms. So I'm sure I'll be getting some feedback from that. <laughs> we, we have, have a lot of just special locations today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we have a lot of farms around by. There, some of the, some of the dairy for farms. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> some, of the, some of the dairy farms end up on 10 milliamp RCDs in the. Um, Milking areas, and from what Craig said, if you're starting at 300 milliamps at your source, as you come along your, your subdivided circuits, you're kind of yeah. running out of options. So you end up yeah. at those 10 milliamp levels, and it is it is a mind. 705, fucking but, hell! <laughs> <laughs> when you've got when you've got your fault and additional protection coming from your RCDs, it can get quite complex, and that kind of leads onto a bigger question around all this because we talk about training on apprenticeships and how that, a lot of that is done in the college environment, but really the prime area of learning you're going to get in that environment Ed, and it's through your employer mm. I think that's something we need to be really mindful of especially with this new domestic electrician apprenticeship you're getting a day a week in the college with guys like Craig and, and Jamie when they're doing their teaching but four days a week you're out on the shoulder of another electrician I think it's really important to remember that mm. and it's and it's in the apprenticeship that every employer signs up to so it's not to say that every employer is doing a bad job because they're not Equally, I don't think every college is doing a bad job, but there needs to be much more transparency. Like when you sign an apprentice up, you sign up to that they only have 20% off of the job training. Therefore, that means the other 80% of the time, they need to be getting taught by the employer because it's impossible for any organization, no matter how good they are, to make up 80% of learning and 20% of the time that they've got contact with them on. Hmm. So pull it, pulling back into your route, um, Aidan, have you kind of been on block release then? Or has it been in the first three years, was you doing a day release to college? How did the first part of your training look? Um, so come, come out of school, um, I went to college, uh, did my level two. Yeah, did my level two. Halfway through that, I found an employer. They took me on as a day release. Um believe I finished my level two and then just to just as I was going to go into my level three um the, the company went bankrupt um and then I sort of had to get out of the electrical industry uh, financial reasons and then I've jumped back into it um the past well, I don't know two two three years jumped back into it um and then I did my I did my level three at college 
And then as soon as I finished my level three, um, I contacted uh, a local guy around me and said, can I come work for you? Um, I'll work for a week for free or, you know, something like that. And he was like, yeah, sure. Um, I did that. And then he he basically offered me a job Um, and he said, right, look, what, what is, what is left for you to do? And I know if you do a mastic spark, you don't really need your AM2. Um, You just need two, three, nine, one. But I was like, well, I'd like it if, you know, if I had my AM2, because then I could flash a gold card around. Um, Uh, (laughs) um, And plus when you're on site, it, I think you'd be classed as a trainee, wouldn't you? Or something like that. If you didn't have a gold card, if you didn't have AM2. Um, so it's, it enables you to access more sites easily, if if you will. Yeah, so we, so you're right, and I know it's an unpopular opinion, and <laughs> to be clear, this is not us necessarily sharing our personal opinion on the situation, but the fact of this, the fact of the matter is, under the ECS card for everybody's health and safety, if you are level two and level three qualified without an NVQ, you are getting a labourer's card for site. Yeah. And I know that because um, some places I work with, we've just renewed a load of people's ECS cards. And yeah. without having the NVQ and the AM2, they get a labourer's card. Now, What about a trainee's card? Someone asked me about this today, so I'm going to have to interject. What's so a, tra- a trainee's card you can only have if you're on a valid apprenticeship to say that you're an apprentice learning. Sorry about that, but I can now port someone to this video who messed me today, so cheers for that. But yeah, carry on. <laughs> um, so whether people like it or not, agree with it or not, under the current legislation, okay, legislation might be the wrong word, but under the current, current recognised scheme with the JIB and the ECS, without an MVQ and AM2, they don't term you as an electrician. For those who are not working in commercial and industrial and staying in domestic... <laughs> Well, the City and Guilds handbook still says that if you've finished level three, you are qualified to an electrician's mate standard. It doesn't say an electrician. Now, that's good and bad. We know that Mark done a poll and there was a discrepancy between who had and who hadn't seen it, and it's a bit of a divide. But at the minute, in black and white, that is the the situation that we are working to, and the CPSs are kind of starting to move back to that, aren't they, with the EES document and going back to the NVQ and the AM2. So if your CPS recognises you as something different, I would say, well done, you know, carry on. I'm not saying that anybody's not an electrician. I'm just saying from the advice of what, in an educational establishment, we should be recommending and getting people to sign. Yeah. The documents say that an electrician is once they've done the AM2. So I think you made the right choice by pushing your employer to let you go down that route. Yeah. Is, there a mate, is there a mate's card then? That's a labourer's card. So there's no electrician's mate's card? Well, well a mate is a labourer. It's just the requirement. So you can do all of the bits. You just can't do the final connections on site. Hmm. What happened? That's bollocks. <laughs> like a labourer <laughs> sounds like some new sweeps up. Um, they they an improver really card, to- I think. They need some it might be called an improver card, potentially, yeah. But effectively, when you go through the ECS application, the job levels, I think, come up as different levels and on the level two or yeah. three. It's either, it's either labour or improver, but one or the other, it's you can install everything on site, you just can't do final connections. 
That's a bit, they need to look at that. That's not very good. Someone putting in a quite a lot of effort to get level two and level three and getting called a labourer could be quite off putting, I think. It's just not, it's not great, but I'm not interested. I'm going to look at the word then. Hang on. I'll, I'll add to that. that. Um, so I, I had a training card. Um, and when I applied for it, I, I think I just finished my level two. Um, and from that, I had two or three years uh, to complete level three, AM2, and 2391. And then that was it. That card, I couldn't get that card back. And because I didn't do that, I, I can't apply for another tr- a training card. I have to go for a gold card next. Like, so, okay. so once you've made that application and you've had it, you can't then regather it later on. You have to make that step to the next grading. Uh, I mean, I tried to do it. It was very difficult. I was on the phone for two hours with them and it sounds bad, but when I was calling them, the the person didn't actually know what I was trying to say or, mm. you know, it's, it's very confusing um, with everything that you have to do for it. So the health and safety course for it, and then you have to prove certain things to them and then it all gets lost and then you just start from scratch again with them. Yeah, I'm an apprentice that. one. I just tried to find it then. And like, you know, when I was an apprentice, it felt nice to that card. And you know, as you go up, it feels nice to get that card. I know it's like quite a, what is it? It's not, no one else cares, but you do. And for someone to do that amount of training, to get called a labeler, a labeler, <laughs> a labeler, hang on, uh, a, a, a labourer. I think that's not very good. They should bring back electricians, mate. So at least you feel like you're climbing that, that ladder. So I've just had a look on the ECS website whilst we were doing it in case I got the wording wrong. And when you go down through the card types, the card types that you can have if we're talking installation electrician, because you've got maintenance and all the other types, is an installation electrician has a gold card which says it must have a level three competency-based NVQ to be allowed to work unsupervised on the installations. Then they've got an electrical labourer card, which they put on here, is for people working in the industry in a supportive role to assist electricians and other qualified staff with the installation of cables and other unskilled work under supervision. So technically anybody, according to the ECS, anybody who's not gold carded should be working supervised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's a traditional mate, isn't it? They've called, they've called it a labourer now. What we yeah. what yeah. we probably refer to as a mate is a labourer. Yeah. Well, when I was working on site, uh, we were doing industrial. We did a massive Aldi block or something like. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Um, and we just we just ran all best. <laughs> you just did. <laughs> it, it was an office block for them, and we just ran all the electrics in. Um, and some old chap, he he did the second fix of the board and whatnot. Uh, but we were just dragging cables in, and there was people there uh, that I would go up to and ask, "What are we doing?" And they'd have a like a CSCS card, not even an ECS. And on site, I'd outrank them, but I would have to listen to them. To, you know, it, it's completely. And, and that's a, and that's part of site criteria. As part of the thing with the electrical industry, the site you work on is only as good, and all these cards are only as good as the person managing the site and how much yeah. they stick to it. So I've been on some sites recently where all of our work permits are checked, and whilst we're working people are coming around and inspecting to make sure that if it doesn't say you can be doing terminations and second fixing, you're not touching anything with terminations going into it. But you can be pulling in the cable, like you say, you can be making the containment, you can be doing all the first fixed components for someone else to be coming around. And 
it really is down to, and that's why I say it's not my personal opinion as to what makes an electrician, because it's down to where you work. Somebody will tell me they've worked on a commercial site without a gold card, and I will just say, yeah, you probably have. Like, yeah. Because it depends on who you work with. I mean, there's there's lots of people, we're on Amendment 2 of the 18th edition now. There's lots of people still working on site on the 17th edition. Mm-hmm. I've worked with it's, blokes. It took the 2000 when I was coming up my time, they'd be like, what calls have you got? Because it was making people get cars at that point. Our firm like, everyone's got to get a JB car. I'm like going, I ain't got any qualifications, not a sausage. And they were like gaffers and gangers and they'd not got any qual- any written qualification whatsoever. But they're good yeah. sparks, but they just didn't have anything because that's how it was. It is really common, isn't it? And and I have the same experience of the ECS website back a few years ago, Aidan, where I found it really difficult to get all my data on it kept crashing and all sorts. I think they have made a lot of improvements yeah. of late. And from speaking with the, the JIB, I was stunned to find out that they actually have less than 10 employees looking after all of this. So they do really get the maximum bang for the buck that they can. Yeah. They, take, they take a lot of heat sometimes, but they're not overstaffed in any way is, is difficult for them. And it, you've had, you've kind of proved the point that, you know, you've been on all sorts of different journeys through your apprenticeship. You've been on an actual apprenticeship. You've had to swap over to your level two and level three and, now you're finishing it off and going through your, your AM2. And through the course of Apprentice One to One, I've met so many people in your exact situation. And it is quite complicated to navigate your way through that to end up yeah. qualified. So the fact you've persevered and got to where you are now, you should be really proud of yourself, mate, because you've made that happen at the end of the day. It's not easy. There's people who will make excuses um, and, and, and play that card sometimes. You've actually stepped up, and as Sam would say, you haven't been a victim. You've actually got on and, and made it work. So, so good on you. You know, that has been a really difficult time. Um, yeah, well well done. Mm. And I guess in, in pre- preparing for your AM2 now, when are you actually looking at getting on that? When's this on the horizon for? Have you got a date yet? Or is this still kicked down the road for a bit? Yeah, I've got to I've got to do off-the-job training now. Um, so I think last time I spoke to you, actually, um, I was sort of just thrown in, into like into it, and I was just left. But I wasn't left, but I was supervised, but from a distance, if you will, um, for a good month, two months, and I was sort of a bit like, oh, "Do I really want to do this?" Um, and then after that, it's just like the EOCRs I do, my boss would be there with his laptop. If if he's not there um, with his laptop doing quotes and whatnot, he'd be just down the road, you know. Um, so he'd, he'd be there watching me and talking to me and it's it's just got better i think he just threw me in to see what I could do where i'm at what questions you know was i going to ask him um but all these eocrs that i've done um because i'm not qualified to do them because i haven't got 2391 um they're actually classes off the job hours so i've got a ton um that I'm claim for basically but the, the college is a bit iffy. Um, they've just changed over their software, so I'm struggling to get onto their site to log everything. And yeah, is, is this where you What's upload this? evidence of your work? Is then? this for an MVQ? Yeah. What's the change of software mid MVQ? Yes. Well, they're a bunch of penises, aren't they? What have they done that for? <laughs> Why would you do that? That's it, interesting. It was Craig, so- Craig, come on, Craig, help. What do you reckon? I, I can't talk for other colleges. I can't, like I can't everyone... see how that could be valid, though. You, you'd have to, surely they'd run out on what they're on. That's, that's a bit weird. 
Well, there must be some sort of map over documented criteria. It's it's hard to it's hard to say someone's done something wrong. Oh, I'm not saying they've done it wrong. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm saying it's a bit unfair on the learner to change the the software. Yeah, it's... and I think it's there may be reasons for it. Like, I'm not trying to defend them or be vague, but it's you know there may be reasons for it. It may be due to systems that may be some financial implications that it may be awarding bodies making the change that there could be a number of reasons why it's happened our reason was that adrian aiden uh, uh, aiden sorry adrian's off the <laughs> the, the Schwarzenegger film isn't it? Adrian, no off rocky yeah. sorry go on that when what how often how long ago was it? i've got a feeling it what did it used to be what software was using oh, i don't know was, uh, it one, was it one file might have been. It's swap now to Smart Assessor. Smart Assessor is much more user-friendly once you get the hang of it compared to OneFile. Personally, I would take Smart Assessor every day. See, I'm OneFile, yeah. but I know they've just changed their subscription method, so maybe Matt made it expensive. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not great that they've changed it mid-flow, though. You think they'd run you out on your existing software, but... But it's it, it was something to do with... We couldn't upload documents efficiently or something um so they've changed it to smart assessor which is fair enough but they changed it logged into it brilliant and then they reset everybody's password and now i can't get into it at all um and i've contacted my assessor he's like i'll sort it and it's been about a week and a half now i would go and speak to your student services department generally being in a college that sort of admin type stuff is done by student services or your library staff or whoever you have there, mm. the normally your best point of contact for some of that information. So maybe if you don't hear off your assessor, then get in touch with them and see where you go from there. But can I yeah. ask you a question? And it's yeah. not it's not meant as a trick question, but I'm genuinely intrigued by your opinion. Because I, so I redone my quals a while ago because I wanted civilian versions of military quals and so on and so forth. And, I felt proud when I got the gold card again and held it and renewed it all. Do you feel like your AM2 is a sufficient challenge for your time that you've had? And do you think it's, you know, does it make you think, I want to go and do this because I'm going to feel proud when I've achieved this? Or do you think <sighs> it's a pain in the ass? And there's not a right or wrong answer. I'm just genuinely curious, as an apprentice, are you looking at that and going, do you know what? When I get through that, I think I'm going to feel proud. Are you looking at it and going, I think it's a waste of three days because I've already done so much more than what's on there? Uh, it's it's good and it could be cleaned up. Uh, that's what I would say. Because um, apparently I need to do termination of a cable four times for each single cable, like twin uh, flex, SY, SWA, or apparently so it's just like why is there so much on the mvq okay fair enough you're going to get a qualification out of it okay but then isn't that what the independent assessor is for so you're talking it, about the am2 or the nvq because the nvq if you're doing terminations four times the reason that generally that's asked for is mm. as an assessor so you know, as myself coming out to see you, maybe only a handful of times and maybe just from your portfolio itself, I have to put my name 
on a document that says, I deem that you are competent, and that if you then went out and killed somebody a week later, I may well end up in court having to justify my decision as to why I signed you off as competent. Yeah. So from an assessor's point of view, we've got to be pretty happy. And this is why I struggle when I hear about people saying dodgy assessments and this, that, the other is, there may well be, I'm not saying it's perfect, but you are, as an assessor, you are literally signing your name on the dotted line to say that as an experienced individual, you are saying that person is fit for purpose and able to go out into the industry hmm. and potentially work unskilled and unsupervised. So the four times the termination on cable, I would imagine is your assessor's way of making sure that he sees enough evidence to make him feel like you're competent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do MVQs. I've had my first student pass through today. First one who I've done from scratch today. And uh, I took it on as like a bit of an help out thing. Cheers, Mark. Not, not you, Craig. Um, I've took it on a bit of that. <laughs> you know what? I've really started to enjoy it. And I really do think it is a very solid method of assessing quality. And I've got, a, there's various videos on my YouTube that people are free to watch because they're not specific to people I work for. But the misinterpretation of, of, um, the MVQ system by students is just bonkers, which is why I put videos out to try and address it. Because for terminating Forbes cable, it's not hard. You've got to deal with four different types of cable in a week. Um, and it's not like just watching you do it. It's like, why are you doing it? Why are you doing it like that? Are you doing it? And talking about it. And the, I could honestly say I've really enjoyed the MVQs since I started doing them because I've helped people understand how easy it is. It's not as onerous as it sounds. Anyone that's making it really hard work, might be doing it slightly wrong, but I, I find it to be quite a good system. And uh, if you do one with me, you have to graph for it. I want to see you proving yourself to me and all that, but that's the quality line that I, I'm meant to adhere to. But uh, I can honestly say a lot of people get a shit on about it at the start and moan and, oh, I'm doing this anyway. I had one guy that's going, oh, I've been sparking for years, which you've got to do MVQ now. And within two or three days, I'm picking him up on stuff and he's going, mate, that's not right. You don't do things like that. That's not how that's done. And yeah. uh, it, I, I think it's quite a good system, MVQ. I've got to say, uh, that's I've I've improved my opinion of it since I've been involved with it. If I'm honest, as well. Yeah, there's going to be differences of, of opinion from both sides of that. And like Aidan said, if he didn't really know the level of responsibility that someone like Craig or Jamie would be accepting in signing you up, yeah. you, know, you can maybe see that now from a broad spectrum of different students. Yeah. You know, they might have a, a better relationship with someone like you and be happier that you're more competent, but they have to apply the same rules across the board. It's all about the gatekeeping of the qualification. And the AM2 been the endpoint assessment, as, as Craig was alluding to earlier, it was kind of, some people are saying that that's, you know, it's easy, it's pointless, it's a waste of time, it means nothing. And, and to me, I don't think that really inspires people like you, Aidan, to go and do it and attain it. Somebody in my position right now, I'm really proud of getting through those qualifications mm. and having my goal card. And I think we should be working harder as a, an older age group, if you like, of raising the importance and value of that. So guys like yeah. you following afterward can see that it is really something to be proud of and you should be um, really trifled with yourself when you do achieve it. I also think it's um, people think they'd pass it now and that's not a sign of anybody as an electrician, but I don't think I'd pass my driving test again now. <laughs> I, don't think could, I don't think you could do a, um, a 2391 exam again. Do you know what I mean? It's that sort of like, you think you'd pass, and I'm sure you would, and I'm sure we all would, but it's going back to looking at that, isn't it? And going, well, mm. actually, the habits you've picked up for years on site, yeah, 
don't necessarily mean you're going to pass that assessment because whether people agree with the methods or like the methods or not, and I have my own gripes with some of the things inside the AM2 and stuff, but that's personal, so not for this, is that it's assessed to the book. The same with the 2391, the amount of people that I've had come and say to me, oh, but that's how I do it on site. Fantastic, well done, but that's not what it says in the book, and this course says I've got to sign you off in comparison with the book because that is the official correct way to do it. So I think more people would struggle than they give credit for for the AM2, mm-hmm. and I don't know if the, the slagging off of it is maybe a little bit of nerves if you put 10 of us in a room again how many would come out well the statistics say four out of 10 of us would pass it who is slugging it off though because i don't know if anyone is i don't just people that slugging off a lot about it because i think it's all right it's not the best it's not the best but it's, it's a good start it's been around for a long time who is actually saying it's not needed anymore there's a lot battling around on social media isn't there about whether it's valid and whether it's worthwhile and what a gold card actually means and for me as Mark said, I think that's the wrong message to be sending out. I think the reason I asked Aidan the question was, and sorry, Aidan, was hoping he was going to go, do you know what? That is a challenge that worries me a little bit. But when I do it, I'm going to hold that card up with a bit of pride and go, do you know what? I've drafted yeah. for four or five, six years, however long it's taken you on your journey and all the struggles you've had. Kind of like a, um, like a completion day, if you know what I mean, for lack of a better term, yeah. like, Going and having that big celebratory, I've done it, I've got, I've joined the club kind of thing, or however it's termed. Is it not one of the things that's great to moan about when you're trying to do it, but afterwards it's fucking brilliant that you've got it? Like, yeah, I think when you do it like, oh, this is wasting my time and all that, then when you do it like, you're going to straight away flip me one of the people going, oh, well, I've got me, I've got my MVQ, you should stop moaning and get stuck in. I think it's one of them things. No one enjoys getting through it, but when you get through it after, it's like, yay, look at me, I'm dead cool. Well, I mean, to be honest, the portfolio. It's you know it's it's not hard. You just take a load of pictures of, of you dif- doing different things. Um, the endpoint assessment that does scare me because it's just I, I don't know what it. I know it's different bits of you know like trunking tray. I'm guessing a bit of testing and blah blah blah. But I've I've never done it, so I don't know what to expect. So so the best the best I. thing you can do um, is go on this site. And Mark will know it's better than me because he or the podcast some of them, but go on the site and your pre-AM2 checklist, and this isn't giving any secrets away because it's public knowledge for anyone says it. The things that asks you to confirm that you are able to do on the pre-assessment checklist is what you are installing for your AM2. So if it asks you for an SY cable between motors and you're saying you're competent in doing it, the formats may change or whatever, but guess what? You're going to have an SY cable between motors that you need to install. SY cable's not rated according to PS7671. Well, here comes a soapbox. <laughs> yeah, that's that, Jamie, off about that. But while they've got it in the M2, if it's not rated, regulated, but no, no, never mind. Um, <laughs> so that, that PA checklist, lots of people just tick it off and go, yeah, yeah, it's fine. But if you actually look at it and pay attention to it, it weighs out your build for you. It talks about your wiring centers for your boiler system. It talks about rings. It talks about lights. It talks about fire alarms. They're all what you are going to be doing. And what what NVQ are you on? Do you know? Is it five three five seven or two three five seven? I couldn't tell you. Uh... Find out. And the only reason I say that is because depending on what NVQ you're on, depends on what version of the AM two you set. Hmm. So 
you want to make sure you're planning for the one that's relevant to what you're actually doing because the AM2, for example, and again, not hidden secrets, it's commonly explained on Net's website, you don't install conduit. Whereas if you're on the 5357, you have to install a couple of bits of conduit. So it's important you know what AM2 you're going to because that's going to help you prepare for it the best. Yeah, and I'll pop that in the show notes. There's the net website, um, there's the, uh, the checklist um, that you can fill in. And it also breaks it down into further detail on that website as well and explains exactly what each section's involved, how long you get to do it. It's a really good place to start. There's some videos on there as well that can help you. So it's well worth checking that out. Any apprentice approaching their AM2, that's the best place to go um, because there's no better people to tell you about the AM2 than the people who actually uphold that thing as a standard. Um, so yeah, go and, go and check that out, Aidan. And be careful with prep courses, would be my advice. I've I've heard some horrors about prep courses and things that are in there that don't even make it to the day. In a lot of cases, the prep courses are a way for private training providers to make money before going to the AM2. And a lot of them that do the prep courses aren't AM2 centres, so they don't know necessarily what's contained in it anyway. So just do a bit of research if you're going to do a prep course take it with a pinch of salt yeah i mean the checklist if you've completed it honestly and you've done that alongside your employer and your trainers you know you'll be in the right place to take that assessment assessment mm-hmm. anyway you, you've had quite a you know a broad range of experience through this system of training <laughs> to be a qualified electrician aid and so if you yeah. if you're looking back and you you know at any point in time you could have chose one of those options as something to see through from start to end rather than trying to piece it together in, in the way you have you know, what would you have picked? Would you have maybe gone for the full-time study and then doing the NVQ and AM2 as you are now? Or would you have liked to have done it as a traditional apprenticeship all the way through? What would be your preference? It's, it's hard because I, I haven't saw what like day release is, is like. I, I only see it from this. I mean, to be honest, I'm quite happy doing it like this. Um, it's just the college and the employer, they're, they're a bit confused of, oh, like what the next step is, what what do they need from us and whatnot. Um, but I think if I had to do it a different way, I'd either do it through like day release with JTL or something like that. Um, I think that's the only other way that I would, I would do it. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing we need to work hard at as industries, making more of these positions for people like yourself to do this training because there's so many and Craig will know from his time in, in education who were on 2365s and things like that and there's just not employment prospects for them so if we want these increased numbers of apprentices we have to acknowledge as trade we need to make those roles for them it's as simple as that yeah and worthwhile roles for people as well because it's easy to say you know a bad apprentice or this or that but if we're honest with ourselves, if you turned up every day and all you got was go make that cup of tea and sit there until you've got the biscuits and go and pull out the van and there's nothing else that you're actually learning, I'd probably sit on my phone as well. I've got to be honest. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's got to be, I've got to turn up and be interested in what you're giving me to do. Um, yeah. Because then I'm going to want to learn and then I'm going to want to be a good apprentice. Oh, we've lost Craig. I think his Wi-Fi's hung up. Grumblings. Just me. And then I'm going to want to do what you're asking me to do. Me, my opinion. He goes, do you know what? I want to be shit today. <laughs> I just don't think people get up for that. Yeah. I'll do that some days, to be honest. 
<laughs> I'm so good with shit today. Trolling for the Is there anything anybody wants to add before this close? We close this one out. I think it's been a really interesting chat here and hearing about your experiences and, and you know what you've got coming as well. It'd be interesting to get you back on when you're a bit nearer the time of doing your AM2 and see how you feel about it then if you were up for that. But anything anyone wants to add? Yeah, have you heard of the band The Blue Oyster Club? No. Have you heard of the song Don't Fear the Reaper? No. Because you're like, oh, I'm scared of them too. Stop being scared of stuff and embrace it. That's what I would say. Stop being terrified of things and just get in there. Don't. If you fear the failure, you'll fail. If you don't fear the failure and see it as a challenge, you won't. And that my ski instructor taught me that before I broke three ribs and I jumped once. But... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I still did the jump, you know what I mean? I failed hard, but like, don't fear it, embrace it. Like, there's a, I'm not gonna say, I'm not yet like everyone's woke and all that, but nowadays it's like a big fear, like failing. Like, I remember doing my first driving test, and I was half cut from the night before, but I still had a bash. You know what I mean? Just get in there and embrace it. Don't be scared of it. There's no point being scared. It won't achieve anything if you read up on it and research it. You cannot have to be scared. You can just find out about it and not be worried about it. It's my advice. People get scared of stuff. Don't be. I do stuff that I'm dangerous, underqualified to do all the time. <laughs> Anything else you want to add? So many, so many. Oh, Craig's DJ again. What you get? Your wife, your wife is pulling up a bit. Craig, are you still there? No, he's frozen on us. He's frozen on us. We'll jump say, back. To him say again, all from what you said last. I just said so many nuggets in there about setting. <laughs> Oh, the oh. internet's denying us here in Craig. Do your driving test half cut. Like so many golden nuggets they have of advice. It's cut out again. I think <laughs> I think it's blocking you. I think the internet, the AI is working against you, mate. It keeps cutting out. Must, must be doing. Anything you want to add, Aidan, before we, we leave it there? Uh, no, no. Oh, I just want to thank you again for coming on and thanks again to Jamie and Craig for giving up their time to come and chat about all this. We're going to keep these coming on a weekly basis as best we can with people who have been on different journeys through the route of being a qualified electrician in the aim of trying to help other people following in those footsteps as well. Um, if you want to get involved in the discussion, join in on social media, get in the comments on this video. If you want to come on and speak to us, everybody is welcome. And um, towards the end, we'll try and pull this together into some sort of overview of other people's experiences. And you know, the, the aim of it is to just try and help. So thank you to everybody who's watching and we will see you on the next one. Oh, for the Reaper. <laughs> Stop the re-